Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. My name is Cynthia Sam. I'm the host of this podcast, and I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having a great day. And I wanted to introduce this really special episode with friends of mine, Chris and Tara Borghese. They are founders of The Marriage Revolution, and if you haven't heard of these guys, I can pretty much guarantee you, you will. They are literally, um, I mean, they <laughs> just taking the nation by storm. Uh, really cool approaches to healing marriages, and really, um, one of the things I love about these guys, and you'll, you'll probably hear me use this expression from time to time, but I really believe that they, their, their work is predicated on revelation, and all I mean by that is it's not just good ideas, it's not just principles and research and all that kind of stuff. It is just divinely inspired wisdom that they bring to the table. And I think you're really going to be impacted by our interview today. Now, really quick, Chris and Tara, um, like I said, they're co-founders of The Marriage Revolution. They have been married for 30 years and they, at the 10-year mark, they almost got divorced. Uh, there was an affair. There was a whole bunch of dysfunction and discord, and it was looking like they weren't going to make it. In fact, um, the person who got cheated on, I'll let you find out who that was, um, they basically were ready to throw in the towel, but um, God intervened, spoke to them, and turned their marriage around, and now here they are 30 years in, and they are helping people all around the world repair their marriages. So there's there's a lot to uh, uh, learn from these guys. I was taking notes. And, um, and I think you're really going to be impacted, not just by their story, but also by some of the tidbits. I, I probably, I don't know where it was, maybe like two thirds through the episode, Tara gave this little nugget. And I was like, honestly, that made the whole thing worth it for me personally. And I know you guys are going to really benefit from it as well. And so I'm really excited to share this with you. Without further ado, here's my interview with Chris and Tara Borghese. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Okay, well, I'm here with Chris and Tara Borghese, uh, founders of The Marriage Revolution, which has just been uh, cleaning up lately. You guys have been doing so much, changing so many lives, and it's an honor to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah, thanks for thanks, having us. Yes. It's awesome. What a great opportunity. We're so yeah. excited to know you, Sophia. It's been a blessing. Yeah. Oh, you guys are too kind. You're too kind. And I, I feel the same way about you. I feel like I've learned a lot. Uh, you guys have actually done some coaching with my wife and I using the disc profiles, and we'll maybe get into some of that later on today. But you guys have a, a real story that I think is worth telling. It's worth hearing because sometimes, you know, uh, an expert in any field, whether it's marriage or addiction, sometimes you just hear their, their polished product. Like, you know, look at us, we've been married 36 years and life has never been better. Right. And, um, and the reality is you don't hit those milestones without a lot of hard work and an equal amount of hardship. And so I wonder if you can just set us up a little bit, give us an idea of, of what married life was like for you guys early on. And what was the journey that led you to this point of wanting to help other people? Yeah, well, I'll take that one. Uh, this is Chris here. So, um, you know, there are defining moments in our life, and we have to be able to uh, respond appropriately to those defining moments. We can either let it define us, or we can say, you know what, I'm going to overcome this, right? I'm going to overcome this situation in our lives. And 
And uh, so I like to I like to say crisis demands a new way of thinking and doing. Hmm. That's how I had to live my life because my father did not do that. He he chose the other one. I chose the the positive one to be successful, and he chose a different one. And so that's why I, I came up with that slogan: is that crisis demands a new way of thinking. And what I mean by that, because see again, most of us will understand we're in a crisis. We're in a moment in our life, a defining moment. But we have, to, but what we don't understand is that we have a choice. Yeah. We have a choice to let it define us, or we can overcome. So for me, it was back. Um, I was, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor and all that. Went to seminary, but I was uh, decided to go to Verizon Wireless, and and um, that was one of the career paths we had as we made a decision as a couple to go back into corporate America. And so I was working my way up the corporate America ladder very quickly, you know, four promotions in six years, and uh, things were going well. But as you all know, Cynthia, you know, there's a thing in 2008, 2009 called the recession. And during that recession, we uh, stopped doing what I was really good at, which is building call centers. And so we were moved in-house. And so basically, um, I was reorged. And what I've learned, what I realized is that when I was reorged, I had a new boss that didn't motivate me the same way the other ones where I got all the promotions and was going up the corporate ladder. He motivated me or tried to motivate me in his way of thinking and his way that he thought was best rather than transitioning to what was going to be good for, for me. Yeah. And so what happened was he would uh, tell me things like I was stupid, that I was lazy, that I was a dog. That he just, I mean, he knew what I had for breakfast even before I had it. It was this, it was a very <laughs> difficult time of life. It was extremely difficult. But you know, like we like to say, is like it's like a pipe. You know, you like I ever had a pipe where it was it was running, running, water was running through it fluently until there was a clog. And in that clog, it exposed a hairline fracture to the pipe and it broke. And it was just a mess. It was flood. It was every, well, that's where pressure, I was yeah. at. Huh? The pressure. Exactly. Yeah. The pressure got to me and it realized it, you know, I was like exposed. It was like, there was this wall that I had that overcome. I had to look over. And that mm. wall was that, wow. When people gave me accolades, I, I rose up the corporate ladder, but when they were, they mo- tried to motivate me differently. I, I crumble like a two cheap $2 suit. It was awful. And so because of that, um, do you want to move this up? Oh, yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> because of that, I, uh, I had the decision to make, I was either going to let it, let it define me or let it, you know, overcome it. And I looked yeah. in Tara's eyes and I looked at my kid's eyes and I thought, you know, I've got to do something differently here because remember what I said, a crisis demands a new way of thinking. So it was an extremely dark time. I felt trapped. It was a time, you know, I, I couldn't go anywhere because it was during recession. Or I couldn't move up the corporate ladder. I couldn't change jobs uh, within the company or outside the company because mm-hmm. of the fact that, you know, people weren't hiring. And so I felt trapped. I felt lonely. I felt insecure. I, I just knew I had to do something. And so what I did, I had at the time, there was a couple living with us. We were hosting a couple from Scotland. And during that time, she gave us a book that was revolutionary. And it was it helped me understand a little bit what was going on. It was called From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship by Jack Frost. Wow. In in that book, 
man, it was like eye-opening. The walls that I had built up, the, the issues that I had with, with this new way of managing, it was like I was getting exposed <laughs> and I had a choice. Am I going to let it define me or am I going to overcome it? And so I went on an immersion for, uh, for a week to be able to overcome this stuff and, and to realize that, you know what, it wasn't his style of management. I was just responding wrong. I was not, I was not appropriating the way he managed me in a way that was beneficial, where I could be successful. And this, this orphan spirit, is this orphan mindset is what kept me back. And so I had to overcome it. So. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I did. And uh, so I basically went on this immersion and um, uh, hiring a coach, I think, was yeah. really the <clears throat> one yeah. of the main things we have to do. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we find ourselves in these situations, you know, like Chris was saying, you know, finding somebody who has what you have, somebody who's gone through what you've gone through to be able to get to the other side of that. And and crisis, you know, really does expose you to say, man, what I'm doing right now actually is not working. Yeah. So if I want something different, I'm going to have to do something different. So that's, um, you know, the journey that Chris went on. It's so amazing now to look back at the transformation that it made in him. Well, and it's like you said, it's those turning points, right? Like you, you're just trying to survive a recession. You know, you're just trying to make it through. And little do you know, you're changing the entire trajectory of your life. I guess I'm curious, how long have you guys been married? What What's the... What's the count? We married. We'll be thirty years come this September. Thirty years. Okay, congrats, yeah. guys. That's amazing. It's a huge yeah. milestone. So, g- give us a little snapshot about what marriage was like early on. Like, were you guys just a match made in heaven? Just settled right in. Knew you were you were going to mentor couples and have this awesome story to share three decades later. How did how did things go early on? I'm curious. I, I guess I'm asking selfishly. You know, I'm only two and a half years in myself. Uh, what what was it like in the early years? Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> all together. You know, <laughs> so actually, both of us are the last of five children, and we both come oh, wow. from alcoholic families. So, um, my dad was an alcoholic, and his mother was an alcoholic, and so we were brought up in serious dysfunction. We had no conflict resolution skills. Um, <laughs> I would probably say our emotional intelligence was probably a three on a scale of one to 10. <laughs> and, um, but we loved each other. Hmm. And, you know, the ironic thing is, is what we'll get to um, a little bit later is that 90% of couples marry their opposite personality style. So that yeah. was true for us. And the thing that attracted me to Chris in the beginning was his outward, his bubbly. He's, he's a very, um, he's extrovert, uh, very optimistic personality, always the life of the party, center of attention. And I loved that because I wasn't. I'm more, more, more reserved, more, more um, private, more cautious. And so I really liked that. But what we found is after we got married, um, those differences started to become like sandpaper to each of us. <laughs> I'm sure no other couple listening to this podcast can relate. Yeah. No. And you know, and I, and I think, you know, we fear what we don't understand and we don't like what we don't understand. True. And so that kind of started coming in between us. Um, the fact that uh, he would say, well, can't you just loosen up a little bit and have some fun? And I would say, well, can't you just calm down a little bit and like not be so obnoxious? <laughs> and, <laughs> so, and so that was kind of like this roundabout. But what that ended up taking a toll on our marriage, because 
I didn't know, neither of us knew how to handle conflict. So uh, for Chris, you know, being brought up in a family that fought all the time and screamed and yelled, um, he would say, well, I don't want that in my marriage. So I'm not going to even deal with conflict. If anything gets too serious, we're just going to act like it never happened. We're going to ignore it, sweep it under the rug. Where where the model that I was brought up on um, was one person would get angry and the other person would shut them down and basically give them the silent treatment. So, um, and so that's what my dad would do. So, you know, really, I think it was like week two of us coming home from our honeymoon, (laughs) we got into an argument and I went down and slept on the sofa and he said, (laughs) what is this? Like, <laughs> We're married, man. What are you yeah, doing? Like, what is this? We're married. I mean, you've never seen this because his parents never did it, but this was common in my house. This oh, is what interesting. This right. is how you conflict. You just, I would ignore him and leave and separate to protect myself. And really what they are is coping mechanisms. You know, we, we build these things up and we have them in our life to protect us from experiencing pain, but they also hold us back from experiencing love. So now fast forward, we're at year 10. And well, probably it was around year eight or nine, this actually started happening. Emotionally, we became disconnected. Hmm. We were completely disconnected. So like Chris said, he was in the corporate world. So he started rising up the corporate ladder, um, working more, working more, thinking if I just throw more money at it, if I just work more, then, um, you know, this is going to solve our problems. And I wanted a deep, intimate connection with him emotionally, but he wasn't at a point to give that to me. Yeah. I was, I was doing things that I thought was correct. Right. right, I was, I was, uh, I was uh, making money. I was taking care of the house, taking care of the cars, coming home on the weekends, doing my thing. And what I realized is that I was not meeting her Tars or my kids' emotional needs. I was doing what I thought was the right thing. I was sacrificing my family on the altar of success. Mm. And that's a painful, you know. Yeah, that's a big sacrifice to make. But, you know, when we don't know better, we can't do better. And Mm. that's, you know, and but looking back at that, it's like, you know, we did the best we could with the information that we had at that time. And that's how we've been able to get through a lot of the things that we've, you know, suffered through in our life. Um, But the big pivotal story in that 10-year mark was that a man came into my life uh, which was a family friend. And he would tell me, Oh, Tara, you're so interesting. You're so funny. You know, I love this about you. He's asking me questions about myself. He would say, he would say things like, you know, I could talk to you all day long. You're so smart. Hmm. Yeah. I could just listen to you. So, so think about that on the other side, my husband is emotionally detached from me. We're keeping everything on the surface. Because if we go deep and really handle the things that are really going on, we might have conflict. So this felt really good to me. I was like, wow, he actually wants to listen to me. He actually wants to talk to me. He actually thinks I'm that important. And so I started spending more and more time with this man, uh, talking to him. We were talking on the phone for hours. Um, Now, this was back. Chris was actually working um, at a different long distance carrier at the time. So there was something that triggered, and I, maybe it was the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure, but triggered him to actually pull the phone records. Oh, wow. Because oh, you had access th- through your work? Yes, yes I had uh, access to my work uh, to phone records. And so I, I, uh, I got the bill and I selected that I wanted to be able to see all the, the, where all these were calling. And so what I found 
shockingly was that she would spend eight hours sometimes a day uh, talking to this gentleman. And, uh, and I'm like, well, this isn't, this isn't right. Mm. Right. So, so what I was doing as a man, I would travel, I would travel to avoid the pain, avoid the emotional, uh, having to connect. So I would, I would seek ways to travel three, four weeks out of the month. And, uh, so I really led her I, this is where the ownership takes in, has to right. kick in this for a man or for a woman, is that I I pushed her into the hands of uh, of another man who was more than willing to to tell her the things that would resonate with her personality, right? She liked um, recognition. She liked words of affirmation. And so when he came in here and did the things that I wasn't doing because I was traveling, we had the perfect storm. Yeah. Hmm. It felt good. You know, it felt good to have those words spoken over me, you know, like, yeah. like the things that he said to me when we were dating, when we were first married, it's kind of like we can all fall into that complacency. So kind of close the loop on that story. Chris confronted me and I told him, yes, I'd been talking to him. There had been no physical affair, um, right. but the emotional affair, but had it gone on longer, it would have turned into that. Because yeah. you can't entertain those thoughts and those ideas without it then going to the next step. And so, you know, I'm so thankful that he took the leadership in that and confronted me. And that was a very dark day. That's one of those, you know, pivotal moments in our life where in our marriage. And it's, it's very common at year 10 for couples. Because you're in the middle of raising kids and now you've, you're kind of a little further away from the I do and that honeymoon. So you're in the reality of raising children, building your careers. And, and so oftentimes the priority of this relationship in your marriage gets put on that back burner. Hmm. So you're not nurturing it anymore. You're not doing the things that you did to get it. Yeah. So you kind of like, okay, well, I got him. He's here. I got her, you know, I dated her. I told her all the things that needed to be said. And so now you kind of just go on autopilot and that's kind of where we found ourselves. And so this was like, you know, we actually thought it was over. Uh, Chris mm -hmm. actually said it's over, um, which again, exposed a whole lot of um, trauma that had been in both of us from past relationships. Like he's told me, you're just like all the other women that right. had left me. You're just like them. And so, you know, he had an encounter with the Lord and, uh, you know, God said, listen, your family's priority, you need to stand up and fight. And he came home and wow. said to me, uh, and like he said earlier about the taking 100% responsibility. And that's where he said, listen, you know, I pushed you into the arms of another man. And I said, yeah, but, but I had to take the step. And so both of us taking the 100% responsibility for both our parts in this, in this uh, emotional affair really mm. helped us say, okay, that's, that happened. And, you know, really, thank God it actually happened. And it turned mm. out the way it did, because then we were able to fix the issues of what caused it to happen. Yeah. And so we became more intentional and been on a journey for 20 years trying to find the tips, the tools, the strategies to be able to build something back way better than we even thought was ever even possible because we never really knew what a healthy marriage looked like. Wow. That's amazing. Sorry, Chris, were you going to add something? Yeah, well, see, you know, we're never taught, you know, have I, have any of you taken this class in school called uh, how to have, how to do marriage 101? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's not there. 
you maybe problems of democracy or whatever, earth science or math, but there's nothing about how to do marriage. And yeah. so we are reactionary. And this is where we fell into that trap of what we thought was important, you know, what we thought. And now she said, I do. Now I can now I check that off the box. Now I can go on and, and, and get a good, healthy career and be able to go that for. So, so we had, we just had to learn new skills. We had to take hundred percent responsibility to be mm-hmm. able to learn these skills, to be able to, to, and I, and, and the, to truth be told, I was a communication major. <laughs> I didn't know how to communicate. <laughs> right. At least at a level that and see, this is where another thing where most most couples fall into more information. Information is good. Yeah. But it's yeah. how to apply it. And right. that's what I was missing. I, I knew the things necessary because I was using um, personalities to rise up the corporate ladder, but I wasn't able to connect the dot and make that correlation to my home. Yeah. Yeah. If I would have, and this is why we do what we do. And there's, and literally there's hardly anyone doing what we're doing because we had to find out the hardware, the school of hard knocks to be able to uh, help other couples, you know, re- go up the pinnacle and go up the mountain. Wow. Yeah. It's an amazing story. And I, I think it's interesting, like you, Tara, you're saying that at year 10, it seems to be where couples hit hit these breaking points. And I, I feel like maybe, maybe in our generation, it's even earlier just because we're under so much stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, what seems to be at an earlier age, because I, I mean, I have friends who didn't even make it to their one year anniversary before they were separated and filing for divorce. Um, so I guess I guess I have two questions. My first question is, you know, I've seen some couples who, you know, we, we're hearing these stories now. So we know that if all you do as a man is engage in your work, that these kinds of things are going to happen. And, and I think people are learning. But I have seen some people overcompensate almost to the point of paranoia where it's like they're they're so concerned that any any kind of fight the person's going to leave them um, any kind of issue or tension and basically it's the same avoidance of conflict resolution it's the same issue it's just manifested on kind of the other end of the spectrum so if you're speaking to maybe couples that are are you know newly married or let's say in that first of those first 10 years what are what are some things that they can be doing to strike that middle ground because um admittedly those are maybe the hardest years because you're bringing in your own stuff right some of it that you may be aware of and probably a whole bunch of it that you're not and i think i would imagine if it doesn't get addressed early on it's going to leak out later and later and start to compound what are some things people should be doing in those early years to set themselves up for success yeah i would say number one is to be able to be self-aware you know, understand that uh, we're going to come into this marriage of baggage. I didn't understand that. And so I was just reactionary. And so I was just following the same patterns. I thought, well, if my parents, you know, would yell and scream and there would be conflict, well, then I don't want to yell and scream because then then I'll be successful. So, Mm -hmm. but what I wasn't doing, even though I was, I was, uh, had a relationship with God, I was not growing. I wasn't growing because I wasn't, um, dealing with the issues that were in my heart. I wasn't self-aware enough to say, why was I doing, why was I responding the way that I am? Why was I withdrawing? Why was I traveling so much? Why was I, you know, saying things that I really didn't mean? So the first thing that I would say is, uh, is come into a marriage, realizing that we're going to have baggage and it's okay. See, we, we, we have this, this walls we built up because of shame. And we think if we're honest and we're open that 
that's going to, you know, if we're not, if we're not honest and open and we just hide it, that it's all magically going to go away. But eventually our sins are going to find us out. If we don't deal with these things, eventually it's going to cause a rift. It's going to cause these coping mechanisms. You know, one of the things, if we don't deal with the pain, we're going to run the pleasure, right? And so, you know, that's when where the porn comes in for me. You know, when I was traveling, that's what I was watching TV and I shouldn't have been watching things. And so, so that's really what happens. So I would say number one is to be, become self-aware. Yeah, I think that I would um, go off of that as well. But knowing like the problem that a lot of us have is that we think we're not going to have problems. And so we try so hard to kind of insulate ourselves against problems. But, you know, statistically, um, there's been so many uh, studies done on couples that actually go through conflict. And when you have a a way to go through conflict in a healthy way. So um, first realize that not all conflict is negative. Mm -hmm. It really depends on how you handle it. You're going to have conflict. So just accept the fact that you're going to have conflict. You have two different people who come from two different homes. They've had different experiences. And like we said earlier, 90% of couples marry their opposite personality. So there's going to be differences. You're not always going to agree on everything. And that's a good thing because this is how you grow together. Secondly, you know, the Lord showed us that, you know, marriage is actually this sacred space where two wounded people can actually come in together and, and help uh, heal our wounds versus like viciously fight to defend them. Mm. And that's really what we do. We just, we fight, we fight, fight, fight to defend these wounds, defend these beliefs, you know, and someone said they call it uh, BS and, <laughs> but it doesn't stand for what we think it stands for. It stands for belief systems. Mm. So we bring nice. these belief systems into our marriage. And so now what this looks like, for us is to be able to say, Hey, honey, what's going on? I see that you're stressed. How can I help? Where before I would take it all personally when he would have, you know, an outburst of anger or I would shut down. He would think, well, it was all about him. He, she Mm. doesn't love me. She's rejecting me in reality. I wasn't loving myself and I was rejecting myself. So people do things more for themselves than they do to you. And um, I think just coming into that to say, you know, could marriage actually be a place where we can be healed and help each other rise up and pull the gold out of each other and help each other? You know, the verse in Ecclesiastes, I think it's for Ecclesiastes four, where it talks about two are better than one. You know, we can use that in many different contexts, but we use it within the um, marriage covenant because two are better than one. And it states in the verse that if one falls down and there's nobody there, who's going to pick them up? Right. Two are, if one person's in bed and they're cold, um, they're going to shiver all night. This is the message version. But if the other one, if they have somebody in there, they can cuddle together to bring warmth. And it's, so we, we come into the marriage with this. Um, it's, it's a 50-50 partnership. But in reality, I don't want to just give 50%. I want to give 100% to Chris. And he wants to give 100% to me. So the more we get healed, the more we can show up and take that responsibility and ownership of our own behaviors, of our own actions, then you can actually now move forward together because God has a purpose and a plan for every couple that he's brought together. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be able to do that better together, but you can't do it 
if we're facing each other fighting all the time against each other and I'm tearing him down and he's tearing me down with the words and the actions and we're assuming the worst about each other. But when we, when we stop doing all of that, we lock arms and now we're facing forward. We can now move forward as a united front. And the beauty of that too, is it also in Ecclesiastes, what about a three stranded uh, cord that's unbreakable? So now we have the Holy spirit. So now we have the fruit of the spirit. So now we can show patience to each other. We can show love and kindness and self-control because we already have the fruit of the spirit. So now in reality, we actually are unstoppable when we can realize that. Yeah, that's so good. So I, I was going to ask, why, why did you guys stay together? Because I know today, like it's no secret, you know, the, the divorce rates are just as high as the rates of marriage that marriages that are, you know, staying through. And I can just imagine, Chris, on your end, you know, I can imagine people being like, bro, she was having an emotional affair, like, like ditch it, like go find somebody else. She already did. You should do the same. Tara on your end, he's never there for you. You deserve this. You don't owe him anything. Move on. Like we, those arguments are there. They're rampant in our culture. And I, it, I guess I'm just intrigued. I'm almost a little bit perplexed that you guys both took some responsibility because I think that's quite rare, uh, especially on both sides. Chris, I, I kind of resonate with yours. I, I got cheated on when I was dating. Um, it was really, really, it was a tough, a very, very tough situation for me. But I remember in reflection realizing I was responsible for that as well, even though maybe she was kind of ostracized for making a poor choice. Uh, we were both responsible. But I, I feel like that kind of mentality is quite unusual or quite rare. So I guess I'm just curious, why, why did you guys decide to stay with each other? Well, I can, for me, I just knew that, uh, you know, because I'm a, a pastor and I was seminary trained where, where, you know, I was a leader in the church, but behind closed doors, I was a wreck. I was a train wreck inside of a dumpster fire. <laughs> it was just a mess. But I decided to, that uh, I had a revelation in, in Genesis chapter one, it talks about we're, we're two are, we're supposed to complete each other, not compete with each other. And that's what we were doing. I wanted to win. She wanted to win. Hmm. We both wanted to win, but we're to complete when we, so for, for me, I wanted to, I wanted another chance to go at this as with a different mindset that we're, that we're completing each other. Let's hmm. see how this works. When we go through it all in saying, look, I am designed to complete you, not compete against you. That, that, that was a shift in my, in my thinking. And that shift gave me the desire. Like I love Tara, you know, it talks about in first Corinthians 13, four, you know, it doesn't hold any offense, you know, it doesn't hold account any wrongs that someone's done. And so I learned that, you know, I had to forgive hmm. and I had to take responsibility. And this was a covenant that when we said, I do, I had to go back. I had to go back to the point where in 1992, when we said, I do, what did that really mean? You know, it's easy to, to, um, to say, say vows when everything is really great, but it's, it's hard to remember those things when things aren't so well, but that's the rubber that meets the road. I said, I do, it was a covenant. I need to forgive. That's what the Bible says. So at the end of the day, I stayed, I wanted to stay together in this because I felt like that, that's the revelation that, that God wants, uh, wants us to do. We want to, we wanted to be able to fight through this and learn new skill sets because I, I, I saw the deficiency in myself. And like she said, I had to be honest. I had to be open. 
I had to be able to be able to say, Hey, look, there's, there's something broken inside of me that needed fixed. And that was maybe why this wasn't working so well. Yeah. And I would, I would say the same thing. Something was broken inside of me as to why I was needing this affirmation from somebody else for me to feel good, for me to feel valued, for me to feel loved. And, and so that was, um, you know, and, and just Chris's heart, he's a leader. <clears throat> and I want to speak to the men who might be listening to this men are the leader. And so he showed up as the leader. Like he said before, he kind of stepped down and said, well, you know, whatever she can, she's taking care of the family. She's taking care of everything. I don't really need to uh, step in. And this was one of the first times where I really saw Chris's leadership where he stepped in and said, no, you're worth fighting for. And, wow. and we're going to, we're going to fix this, you know, and, and after coaching couples for over five years now, we found that a lot of the couples that we coach are on their second marriage and the same issues that happened in their first marriage are now coming up in their second marriage. Right. So for them, the epiphany is like, huh, maybe it is me. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't all the spouse's fault. And so, you know, you're going to take, if you don't deal with these issues and you just say, I'm just going to trade out and get a new spouse. And then when that one doesn't work, I'm going to trade out and get a new spouse and you don't fix the issues that are within you, you take the same problems just into a different relationship. And it's like, you get in that wash, rinse, repeat cycle. And, you know, some people have gone through four or five and six marriages or the point where they say, you know what, marriage doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, marriage works, right. you know, so you kind of have to do like, you know, we're big on self-awareness is, is stepping back and being the observer of your life and saying, huh, what part did I play? And actually, why am I hearing what they're saying in the manner that I'm hearing it? And, you know, like attracts like. So if you don't deal with the issues that are going on, you're just going to continue to attract that same person. They'll just have a different name. Yeah. Yeah, it's really well said. So, okay, I want to get into some of the the tools and frameworks you guys have, because um, as you can see, you guys are chock full of revelation, lots to impart here and lots of wisdom to offer. I have two specific areas that I wanted to address. So the first is conflict resolution, because Tara, you were kind of saying at the beginning that because you guys didn't have the skills to handle conflict in a healthy way, um, it was starting to erode the relationship, right? And all of it was kind of dancing around it. So maybe for start as a starting point, let's say, let's say maybe you have a couple who actually seems everything seems to be okay. You know, I've heard some couples describe their marriage and when you hear what's going on, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you. But before I can even respond, they're like, so yeah, on the whole, things are pretty healthy. You know, like they don't even realize how terrible things are because they just think it's normal. How, how do you help somebody realize that, hey, you actually need to resolve conflict. You can't just dance around it. Why is this so important? Yeah, I'll take that. So so here's the deal. Most couples has one. There's there's two types of people. One person says, I can't live this way any longer. And another one says, what? There's nothing wrong. We just got to we just got to try harder, pray harder, work harder. And so that realization comes in for most couples. And sadly, when the other person says either get out or uh, is just emotionally checked out or basically what we find, and this is um, rather difficult, is that a lot of women, uh, a lot of you know, women will say it's women, they have an exit strategy, a silent one. Hmm. And it's when the kids are grown and and then they're, then they're gone. Hmm. Once the kids are grown, they're gone. Yeah. And so um, how to help them realize we have a thing that says, 
until the pain of where you are is greater than the pain of the change. You will not do anything to fix it. And so uh, what we do is that we help one person be healthy and whole. You know, First Corinthians chapter 7 talks about being able to be an example. You know, two people were there. They got married. They weren't, they weren't, they didn't give their hearts to Jesus. And so then one did. Well, what does that person do? And Paul um, recommends that they stay together and be the example. And that's where we come in is to help people understand that, look, even if your spouse does not want to engage or admit, you do. So you start responding appropriately. You start getting healthy. You start getting whole. And that will give your fighting, your marriage a fighting chance. And so the other spouse will then see, you know, just like in, in the Old Testament, you know, you know, God wanted the Israelites to, to show the world how great he is. And so when you're, when you have that attitude, I just want to show my spouse how great God is, then the miracle of the change within my life, when we understand that, it'll give the couple a fighting chance. Yeah. yeah. So I love that when you said, you know, the conflict and that's, that's the main thing. You have conflict when you don't understand somebody. You have conflict when you go to an argument or a disagreement uh, with the intention to win. So, so what I would say a couple who, to start out, I would say there's, here's a couple things you can do right away. One, realize that there's, that you're not going to an argument to win and to prove that you're right. So there's either a win-win or, or, or there's a lose. There's no win-lose. So, and for instance, if I go to an argument and I'm just, I got to prove my point, I've got to tell Chris that this is, this is why his thinking or whatever he's going on, that this is wrong. He's wrong and I'm right. The problem with that is that if I win, which I'm, you know, I can win fights, you know, I, I can, I can work my words and I can <laughs> cut because that's why the Bible says that the power of life and death are in our words. But the problem is, is that we're now one. So if Chris walks away from a disagreement, a conflict, and he's and he feels like he's a loser, I've lost because he's mm. part of me. So rather than do that, let's go to a, to any disagreement and say, how do we create a win win situation here so that nobody, neither of us walk away as a loser? Mm -hmm. And then the second one, first starting out, and I think this was probably about 15 years ago for us now, we had one tool one tool and one tool only. And that was somebody had said to us, ask your spouse, um, what did you mean by that? And so that was it. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you know, we were getting in arguments every day about stupid stuff. And so some things major, but most are just trivial. And so I started implementing that. And I would say, Chris, what did you mean by that? When he would say something and he would, when he said back to me what he meant, Nine times out of 10, it wasn't actually what I heard. Wow. An example because an example of uh, like when we were going to have dinner, I came home. So the example is at one time. Oh, <laughs> you do yeah, I'll say that. One. Okay. It's really, it's really awesome yeah. because, you know, we hear through a lens, we see through a lens. Right. And so this is why it's so important that each individual in the marriage gets healed, gets whole, uh, knows who they are, knows what their identity is in Christ and knows their personality and how they're wired, because now you're going to, your filter is going to hear what the other person's actually saying, not what you're thinking, not what you're, 
your preconceived ideas. So for instance, um, one day, one time Chris came home and of course the kids had been sick. I was a stay at home mom and he comes home, he's gone to work. So he leaves at eight, gets home at like six and we're all still in our pajamas. We, nobody's even gotten dressed for the day. Right. <laughs> Cause you know, one person, one child's throwing up, the other one's got the stomach flu, you know, it's just one thing after another. And he comes in he says, you know, Hey honey, what's for dinner? <laughs> and of course I'm like, why is he asking me what is for dinner? Doesn't he see that, you know, we're in our pajamas and the kids are sick. And so in that instance, I say to him, what, what did you really mean by that? And he said, well, I see that you haven't had time to work, get anything done. And so my question is, is would you like me to go pick up a pizza or something easy so that you don't Ooh, have to cook? Right. Huge difference. See, see what he was saying was definitely not what I was hearing. And I, and, but you know, here's the trigger for me when, you know, when somebody says something and you get immediately offended, you know, it. it's like an arrow just hits you and the arrows on fire. Even your body has a physical response. <laughs> your blood starts to boil, you get hot yeah. and you're like, Oh, like let's fight. We're, we're let's go. <laughs> Game but on. if you, when you feel that, if you could just stop yourself for one second, take a couple deep breaths and say, Hey, what did you mean by that? Could you explain what you meant by that? Wow. Give the other person a chance to explain. And I'm telling you, when I did that nine times, and this is literally, I counted them nine times out of 10, what I thought he was saying was actually not even what he was saying. Wow. And so just doing that one thing can help diffuse the, the stuff because that would have sent us off. If I would have taken that, I would have said, he, he's insensitive. He doesn't care about us. What is he thinking? How could he ask me that? Doesn't he see, you know, so I'm going to assume all these things that none of it was even true. Wow. That honestly, guys, that was, it was worth it for that right there. What did you mean by that? That is so amazing. Uh, really powerful. Okay. I, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit. So I'm, I'm seeing you guys, you know, we're hearing you like real time talk through like, wait, are you going to share that? Why don't you share that? You know, we're seeing you kind of work things out even in the interview here, which is so amazing. And I'm wondering if you can maybe just cast a little bit of vision for um, what a healthy marriage actually is. Like you guys have founded a company called the Marriage Revolution. So when a marriage gets revolutionized, just give us an idea of what this looks like. Because I think sometimes we, like you, you were actually touching on it earlier. One of you guys had mentioned, sometimes people think a healthy marriage means that we always get along. We never have conflict. You know, it's the white picket fence and our, we're super organized and there's no messes and anything like that. But um, something tells me you guys have maybe a different definition of what a really robust marriage actually looks like. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd like to take that one. Because what a great question, by the way. That is, that is an amazing <laughs> question. Because uh, at the core of every relationship is the ability to have healthy conversations. Because we all know that you can't stop conflict. You can't stop things happening in life. You get a flat tire. You get you know, all these things that come at you that you can now respond in a manner that's worthy of God. And mm -hmm. so what I like to say is that you know, true freedom you know, yes, there's financial freedom, and yes, there's there's uh, uh, other freedoms, but true freedom in a marriage is when you can have healthy conversations about anything without fear and without offense. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's so good, and I think for years, you know, uh, 
I heard this on social media and it really, really impacted me. And a gentleman who'd been married and I think about a year, he said to his, and there was their first year anniversary. And he said, thank you for being the woman that allows me to take off my armor and be real. Wow. And, you know, we all self-protect because we think if the person truly knew who I really was, they may leave me. They may not mm. like me. But if you're trying to put on a mask, you, as we know, marriage is the great magnifier. You, these things come out because you're living with this person day in and day out. Mm. And so, you know, this is why we say the vows that we say. There is a reason why this actually we enter into a covenant where it says for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. So death those part. And because, <laughs> because we're going to have life has ups and downs, highs and lows. And so we're going to have those things that's going to happen in our lives. And, but it's the ability, like Chris said, I love, I love how you say that is that how do we have conversations around that? Because what we have found is the absence of conflict does not equal the presence of peace. Hmm. It just does wow. not. And that was, we, we were disillusioned. I don't know, maybe it was just something we'd made up in our heads or, or TV <laughs> taught us that growing up. Cause we grew up on, you know, leave it to beaver and everything always <laughs> seemed so perfect. Yeah. So we tried so hard, you know, it's like the person spinning the, 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 um, the plates on top of these, you know, sticks. And it's like, at, at some point they all come falling down and hmm. you're like, that was a, that was an illusion that actually isn't even truth. But if we continue to strive for perfection, we're always going to fall short. So it's more, let's strive for progress. Let's, let's keep moving towards progress so that um, we can both show up. And, and so for a healthy marriage is being able, like Chris said, being able to have that understanding, being able to be vulnerable and listen, hmm. not always trying to prove our point but truly understand what the other person is trying to say. And when we can both do that with each other, life is so much better. Yeah, that makes so much sense because I, I think if people are trying to, like if they have this vision in their head of a healthy marriage means no conflict, everyone gets along, everything looks okay, then you can kind of understand why people wouldn't face conflicts. You can kind of understand why people would try to keep the peace and not really engage those healthier skills that are going to help them actually have a healthy marriage. So I love, I love that healthy conversations, like just the ultimate level of safety where you can talk about anything openly and talk it through. Guys, that's really, really powerful. So let, let me ask you this. In, in somebody's journey, whether they're a newlywed, we have people listening who aren't married yet but are just wise enough to get some tools now before that time comes. And then we have people who are, are maybe down the road. Uh, maybe they're, they've been married longer than you guys and they're saying, man, I wish we would have known. I wish we would have had some of this stuff. Uh, I'm wondering if, if each of you guys can just give one thing that, that people should absolutely be doing. Like, hey, if you want to have a healthy marriage, doesn't matter where you are. Here's one thing that you absolutely should do. And I'm wondering if you guys can also, each of you can provide, here's also one thing you should stop doing. Here's one thing to avoid in your journey to having that healthy marriage and achieving that vision that you guys kind of just cast for us. So uh, it doesn't matter who goes first, but I'd love to hear one do and one do not along the way here. Well, ladies go first. You want to do that? Or? I'll go first. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things is that stop blaming your spouse and putting, making them responsible for your happiness. 
And, and that's where we, we think that all of our problems are, are theirs. Oftentimes, if they would stop responding like this, if they would start thinking more like me, if they would, then I would be happy. Then we wouldn't have conflict. The problem with that is it puts you or us, whoever's thinking these thoughts, which I did for years, puts me as a victim. So it kind of puts me back on my heels and I'm waiting for him to do something and change before I can move forward. So I would say, stop putting that power. So basically you're laying down your power and you're giving your spouse all the power over whether you're going to, you're going to get out of this conflict pattern or you're going to move forward or you're going to have a happy life. So that would be my, my stop. Um, My start doing would, would be able to say, no matter where you're at within your relationship, get healthy and whole yourself. Start asking yourself, why? Why do I respond like this? Why am I feeling like this? Be more aware of your feelings so that um, you're not responding. Because if you don't take that thought captive, which then produces that feeling, then you're most likely going to react to it. Hmm. So become the observer of your own life and your own emotions. So that way you can start to, to dissect that. And if you need help, my thing, my, my suggestion, and of course, you know, we're big on getting coaches because the DIY method takes a lot of time, a lot of mistakes, and a lot is at, at stake when you try this DIY method. Why not find somebody who has what you want and hire them, invest in them, so invest your resources so that you can accelerate to get to where you want faster. It doesn't have yeah. to take, you know, 20, 30 years like it did us. You can get what took us that long, you know, in a short period of time. And that's mm-hmm. why we have coaches. That's why we have mentorships. And that's why we do what we do. And I know that's why you do what you do, because why struggle for eight years when you can, when you can take care of it quicker, get out of your pain faster than, you know, sooner than later. Yeah. That's so good. And that's a great question. Uh, first thing that I'd say do is understand your identity. You know, we have we have we like it to say that um, the Bible is the obviously absolute, absolute truth. But the second thing, greatest thing, information you can have is your identity. How is that expressed? Your personality. How are you wired? You know, uh, in Psalm one thirty nine, talks about we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so what I like to say is your identity is comprised of two parts. And that, and that is what the Bible says, and you're also your personality. When you can understand those two things, man, you are going to be a weapon for the kingdom of God, because now it's going to decrease your ability to be offended. You're going to actually increase your ability to have those healthy conversations, because you're going to know who you are. You're strong, you're powerful, you're a leader, and just those two identity. So that'd be number one. The, the don't would be don't do what I did, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which was file stuff away. Information is what I, you know, we lived in the information age and maybe we still do, but I felt like the more information that I had, like then, okay, well then that's good. But then I heard this, uh, this story about a frog, three frogs. And um, how does it go? Yeah. It's three frogs are sitting on a lily pad and yeah. one decides to jump in the pond how many frogs are left on the lily pad? The answer is three. Three. Because, because yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because the decision <laughs> does not bring about anyone in the in the water, right? You can decide all you want. It's the action. And that's what I was failing. I was wow. not applying 
what I learned. You know, I had all this information. Seminary train has all this information on how to do marriages, but I wasn't applying it. And that's what we help people do at the Marriage Revolution is be able to apply these actual biblical truths to be able to have successful marriages because information plus application is what we all want is transformation. Oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. We didn't even get into disc profile, so we'll have to bring you guys back another time because you have so much information there. Um, and I, yeah, like I said, Shaloma and I have just learned a ton from you and uh, have been able to apply some of the things, not all the things. Admittedly, the execution part's the hardest, so we're still learning. But mm -hmm. the stuff we have applied that you've taught us has been so useful. So we'll bring you back for sure. But this has been amazing. I know that my audience is going to want to connect with you guys and learn more about you, maybe engage in some of your services or products. So um, fire away, guys. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the best way is that on the Apple or Android phone, you go to uh, Apple Store on Apple, obviously, and, uh, and uh, Android is a Google Play, and download our app. It's free, The Marriage Revolution, The Marriage Revolution app, and take our free quiz on that app because it'll tell you specific things about yourself that you may not have known. Yeah, it's right? called the Relationship Superpower Quiz. Yeah. So that's um, <clears throat> that's really revelatory because it'll give you, you know, kind of a high level view of your personality, but it kind of gives you those pitfalls to kind of be aware of within mm -hmm. that. So it, it basically will tell you your relationship superpower. So it's a lot of fun to take and it's very beneficial. We get so much positive feedback from people uh, that have gotten major yeah. revelation, like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense now. <laughs> cool. Amen. Amazing. That's great. And do you guys do offer, do you have any products or coaching or anything like that? If people, once they get in the app, I guess they can find out about some more of that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. Do, we do. We have um, private coaching um, that we do. Well, basically it's four on four. Typically, um, if we have a couple that wants to come through it together, um, cool. we also have an online course uh, that people can go through. And the reason why we created this online course is so that if there's a couple out there and your spouse says, you know what, I'm not really there yet. I don't really think there's a problem or I don't want to deal with any of it. Then that doesn't keep them from getting the help that they want, because oftentimes one spouse is kind of saying, I want to go, let's, let's figure this out. And the other spouse is a little bit more reserved. Um, mm -hmm. But I can tell you that of the five couples that just signed up recently, almost every one of them, I think all five of their spouses ended up joining because they saw the transformation in them. And they wow. were intrigued enough to say, you know what? This is different than anything we've ever done before. Mm -hmm. Let's try this. It was exciting. So and what's powerful about the course that I love is the fact that we'll, you know, for those individuals who take the course is that uh, every Wednesday we go live um, on a Zoom call to be able to help. And we'll answer any question about life, about the course, about how to do anything. And so when you're, you're not alone, when you do the academy, do the course. And so that's why we wanted to provide that, that coaching and that ability to get the breakthrough that you so deserve and so to want. And uh, it gives a lot, a lot of people are really having a very positive experience with that. Yeah. We um, love that. We yeah, love that. I believe so we it. To all our clients. So that's how you can reach out to us. And also we have a website, themarriagerevolution.com. Make sure you put the T-H-E in front of it, themarriagerevolution.com. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. You got it. So we'll, we'll put those links in the show notes. But guys, this has been amazing. Thank you for, um, for just taking some time and offering your wisdom. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Okay, it's been a pleasure being here. Thank you, Cynthia. 
Well, there you have it, guys. That was my interview with Chris and Tara. And like I said, a lot of wisdom, an incredible story. And oh, man, um, there are certain interviews where you, you really don't want it to end. And uh, I had a couple other questions teed up and I thought, you know what, if I keep asking, we could be here for another hour. So I'll probably just bring them back at some point. I think, uh, you know, for me, it's becoming clear just as time goes on that there's probably nothing more important in this life than our relationships and that the quality of our life is the quality of our relationships. So I think having people like Chris and Tara in your space to give you wisdom, to give you insights, to guide you along the way. We're talking about major investment in your quality of life and, of course, your relationships and your marriage. So uh, I hope you go check them out. The app is uh, is really good. Um, they just launched it, so it's still being developed for sure, but there's some good resources, some good ways for you to plug in. And if your marriage is struggling, or maybe it's not even struggling, but you just want to have a healthy marriage and you want to live out that vision of a marriage where there's healthy space for good conversations, honest and transparent interaction on a regular basis, go check it out. It's the Marriage Revolution app. The link's in the show notes, or you can go to themarriagerevolution.com. Just make sure you put the at the beginning. It's not Marriage Revolution. It's themarriagerevolution.com, and you'll be able to get all the resources. And if pornography is ruining ruining your marriage, and you know that you need some help, in fact, you know that if porn persists, that it doesn't matter what you do in your marriage, um, things are going to blow up, things are going to implode, and you're going to be miserable, then I want to encourage you to get my handbook for uh, recovering from porn addiction. It's called The Last Relapse. It's a best-selling book. It's my proven blueprint for the recovery process, and I know that you're going to be impacted by it. You can get a free copy at thelastrelapsebook.com. And that is my gift to you uh, and just my way of supporting you and helping you. We have seen lots of marriages turn around from it and I'd love to see yours do the same. TheLastRelapseBook.com is where you can get that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have an amazing day and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.